The Bamboo Project Podcast starts in three. Ladies and two. gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to the Bamboo Project Podcast. My name is Donovan Gray, the future $10 billion man. On the way to 10 billion, I decided I'm going to help create 1,000 millionaires, including myself, and not by being a guru or selling a course, but by doing the things I already love to do every day and documenting my journey to get there. I figure I'll make all the mistakes so you don't have to. My name is Donovan Gray, and this is how I will turn my life into a living. I'd like to start off by giving a shout out to all the people rocking with us and supporting the channels. We really appreciate you. We are currently streaming on all major streaming platforms such as Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Anchor, you name it, we on it. And if we not on it, we about to be on it. For everyone listening to this podcast and not watching it, you can find us on YouTube at The Bamboo Project and Ember Candle Co. We have over 500 videos on our channels. Do you want to see our real estate journey? We got that. Do you want to see our cooking tutorials inspired by Dr. Sabi? We got that. Do you want to see our travel and lifestyle vlogs? Got it. Hair and makeup tutorials. Got it. Basketball. Got it. Turo. Got it small business out to the candle page got it it's everything us all the parts of the journey that do not make it to youtube will be on our story you can find me on instagram at donovan gray d-o-n-i-v-a-n-g-r-a-y and my phenomenal beautiful amazing girlfriend anita Byrne. a-n-e-t-a-b-u-r-n this may be your first time here, and if it is, welcome to the family. But for everyone else, this is chapter three, page 155. Today's date is Wednesday, March 8th, and it is 3.19 p.m. All video and audio timestamps will be in the description box below. Before we get to the podcast, we start off with screen time, okay? That is a reminder for me, a reminder for you, a reminder for Melissa, for all of us to know how much time we are spending on our phones. Because honestly, people don't be looking. People don't even know. All right, so for last week, every day, I spent an average of seven hours and three minutes on my phone. That's that's damn near six hours. How do you take off? taking off time it's seven hours it's but it's almost six hours and 59 it's minutes hours. it's seven hours. but it's four minutes away from six hours it's, it's seven hours it's four minutes away from six no it's not it is it's seven hours it's four minutes Can away from six minutes off, <laughs> and 59 minutes that's in the so six that's seven hours that's like six hours that's seven hours it's like six don't be a hater because you, you about to you, you about to pull up your you, screen time it's about to look crazy nothing to eat it's nothing to eat i'm happy i'm proud seven hours is good i'm I, my phone has said 10 hours and 11 hours it says seven hours and three minutes uh okay my most used app what is twitter which is okay i'm not you know cool I, that is that that was part of the goal uh for four hours and 27 minutes is that for the day that's an average per day is that for the week i feel like that has to be that's per day that's per day, right? Nah, it's not per day. Oh, okay. Okay. Oh, damn. Damn. My phone just updated itself. Damn, that's crazy. Okay, so actually, my screen time. I don't know why it was so delayed. That's crazy. My screen time is seven hours and thirty-eight minutes. Right. Almost. Almost eight. Look, I'm in a seven hour range. I'll give you seven. I was almost at six. Uh, okay, so Instagram is number one with 10 hours and 12 minutes. Then YouTube, which is 10 hours and four minutes. And then my camera, which is nine hours and 27 minutes. And then Twitter for five hours and 29 minutes. I was on Govi for two hours. That's crazy. Um, my pickups were 149 per day and then my first use app after pickup okay is mail with 197 to my instagram which is 146 that's pretty good it's pretty good um okay baby girl what is your screen time so mm -hmm. my screen time for last week mm -hmm. was five hours and 12 minutes 
You be lying. Why are you hating? Cause you be lying. Cause you be lying. You be lying. I know. You always didn't update yet. That's what it was. Your phone didn't. It, it didn't update Why yet. It's gonna. It's gonna be like seven hours and forty-seven minutes. I'm just saying that's literally what's gonna happen. Why are you such a hater? It's gonna update. Why you hate? Just telling hours? you, these are the facts. It updated, right? What that shit say? What it say? Yeah. Mm-hmm. What Five is, hours right? Long yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That, that's not true. I seen your phone for more than that. It's not true. How is so it? So showing it to me don't make it true. Five so. hours and twelve minutes. Most use app Instagram for almost eight hours. Then Gmail for almost four hours. Then camera for three hours. TikTok for three hours. Um, messages for two hours, Safari for an hour and a half, and then Govi. Excuse me, that's the light app for an hour and a half. I feel like that's mad long. Um, most used app after pickup is Gmail, per usual. My second most used app, though. Oh, so Gmail is 182 pickups for the week. Then Instagram, 158 pickups. And then music for 87. And my average for last week, um, I picked up my phone on average 158 times a day. Mm. But I, I was only on my phone for five hours right. and 12 minutes. So. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Uh, okay, now for the subscriber check. Honestly, y'all know who needs a subscriber check? Right. She do. Sarah Alaba Woo! need a subscriber check. Because the, the, the video's been going crazy. Woo! She was at like 3,000, like 500 last week. She's almost at 5,000. She's honestly, if I check right now, she's probably at 5,000. Let me go check. Let me go check. Well, before I check, I'm going to say hours and we'll check hers. Okay, so right now, the Bamboo Project is at 6,406 subscribers. The Candle Channel is at 208 subscribers. And we're going to see if Sarah is currently at. I hope she is. 5,000. Yeah, she was, she was like 90 away this morning. Not yet. So, why are you going to check? I said, I'm going to check. Oh. How you, you heard me on the podcast say, I'm going to check to see if Sarah's at the number yet. And here you go. Talk about some nah, not yet. No, 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 no. I was, I was, I had the phone out to check. She is at 4,900 and probably 20 something. Um, so, I probably like in two days, she'll be at 5,000. So, shout out to Sarah. Last video is going crazy. And the next video is coming out. It's going to be some long form videos. Be excited for that. Um, so that is our subscriber check-in. Now, topic of the day, numero uno, as y'all have seen in the title of the video. The house has been ransacked. It has been bamboozled. It has been sodomized, okay? The house has been taken advantage of time and time and time again. And this one is no different. This one's actually, it is different. It's worse. This is the worst sodomization of the house that we have ever seen since we have decided to flip a house. We have had the house broken into probably within the first two months of doing the house when someone stole a water heater. It wasn't a big idea or bad. It wasn't that big of, to us because it was an old water heater. We had to get a new one anyways. So we weren't stressing about it. Then someone broke in again. Right? They broke in a second time and they say, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to steal your toilets. Okay? We had toilets that were, well, they stole toilets, right? They did. They stole toilets. So we have just went to buy, for, I think it was Lowe's or Home Depot. We had to get toilets for the house. We put them in the house because we didn't want things to get stolen. So we wanted the contractor to just get them, put them in, and they would be done. He never pulled up to the house, they never got installed. Or at least not in our house. They were installed in somebody else's house. Okay. So they stole the toilets and the handles that we had for all of the cabinets. All right. That's time number two. Time number three was the most recent time was when they broke into the house and stole all the appliances. They stole the refrigerator, which cost about three to four thousand dollars. They stole the stove, which is about five to seven hundred dollars. They stole the microwave, another couple hundred dollars. Then they stole the dishwasher, which is a very nice dishwasher, probably close to a thousand dollar dishwasher. Uh, they stole everything and. We found it out later that they also stole the new water heater and they stole the dehumidifier, which is $500 for that, which is kind of crazy, but they stole that too. They came and went shopping in the house. All right. 
But after all of this theftery, okay, the house was still under contract. We still got the house to go under contract. So we were excited. We we're like, okay, we're gonna get this house sold. We're gonna be it's gonna be out of our hair. No more house. So I get a picture from my agent about a week ago and he says, hey, the contract of the buyer was heading inside the house because as y'all know, we negotiated a credit with the buyer for all of the appliances that went missing as well as all of the failed or issues that came up with the inspection. So that was another $6,200 that we had to credit them plus the original five that we did for the appliances. The contractor sends a picture to the agent. The agent then entails sends the picture to me. With that picture is attached a message that says the house was broken into. Not only was the house broken into, Okay, there were two homeless men sleeping in the house when the contractor got there. Okay, so now we are in squatting territory. Not only was the house broken into, okay, this time the house was damaged. Out of all the break-ins before, the house was never damaged. It was just a break-in, they stole, and they left. But not this time. This time they damaged the house. Okay, do you know how they damaged the house? Okay. They damaged the house because they stole the bathroom sink on the first floor. It is ripped out of the wall. Okay. They stole that, which was given to us by my aunt. Now that I think about it, which I kind of forgot. So that was stolen. That huge sink we had upstairs, if y'all saw the pictures from back in the day, that is off the wall and on the floor. My assumption is that they're going to come back and take it. I don't know why they didn't get it the first time. They probably assumed, hey, it's a free shopping. Let's just go in there and take whatever we need because we'll just, ain't nobody at the house. We'll come back and get it and who knows what, right? That's probably my assumption. So, the huge sink, which probably cost us almost $1,000 is on the floor. I don't know. I don't know how much it was. It's on the floor. Uh, I will put the picture up of everything that would happen in the house here. And now we have another issue because the buyer is saying that before any of the work gets done that we negotiated to give them a credit for, they want the house to be secured so nothing else gets stolen or damaged. Now, we are not in a financial position to do such a thing. Uh, and what I mean by that is all the money we have is going to the candles. So any scrums we have left over is absolutely not going to the house. Like, it's not. I, like I, I, The only thing I would possibly pay for for the house is the lien that Melissa and I put on the house, which we have to pay to get released. That's literally the only thing. I am so fed up with the house. I am done. I just want it to be out of my hair because here's my problem. If I had the money to put it towards the house, would I want to? I don't know. It's tough. That's tough. Because if y'all been here for a while, you may remember back in the day uh, from recommendation, we had put something called dog doors, D-A-W-G-S, so dogs. It's pretty much a vacant house door. So what they do is they cover your front door with this big piece of metal. They cover the back door. They cover the windows on the side of the house or whatever, right? And we had it on the house before. The problem with that door was that it damaged the door frame because it's meant for vacant properties. So it's not really installed in a way that you would want your high-end luxury or retail home to be secured with, right? It's very invasive or intrusive in terms of how it's installed, but it's safe, safe, well, very safe. I don't know if it's the safest or whatever, but it's very safe. So 
that was maybe about $400, $500, something like that. So I was just inquired to see what they would charge us this time. And I thought to myself, it would probably be better if we don't get as many doors covered this time because we just need it to last until the end of the month. So I said, hey, I just want to get two doors covered. Right? Honestly, a door in the window. That's really it. They said that it would be $700 for us to do that. And I'm like, that's crazy. They said, yeah, but if you go with your old quote from before, it'll be $402. And I'm like, huh. I'm like, okay, that's, uh, it's, it's reasonable. Like, I don't think it's very high or expensive. I just don't have the money for that. Like, honestly, I think even though we made $11,000 last month, we have to go buy and book more fares. So... We had to book the fares. We had to pay for the, the monthly membership that we have. We're trying to get more products in bulk so we can save money over the long term, right? So we don't have, and like if I had $400 to give them, I would probably buy wax or I would probably book another craft. Like I would put it to making us more money. The house, if it was going to make us a significant amount of money, I might put it towards that, but we probably won't get anything like with all the fees, with all of the um, money owed to the lenders, all of that, plus paying the agent, we might get $2,000 back from the house. Maybe I would be floored if we got close to 10. That would be crazy, but I don't see anywhere on God's green earth that we will somehow get that much money back. So, like I said, I, I was talking to my agent. He's trying to figure out a way for us to pay for it. I'm like, listen, bro, have the, the buyer pay for it and we'll credit them. He's like, oh, they don't want to do that anymore. They already did like three credits. I'm like, all right, because he's talking to me. He's like, well, uh, can you use your credit cards to pay for it? I'm like, bro, what credit cards? He obviously does not watch the podcast because if he watched the podcast, he would know that all of our credit cards are maxed out because of the house. Every single card that we had, all the money that we had saved up or put towards a credit card to flip this house is gone. All the credit cards are closed because of the house. So there's no money for credit cards to use. I literally have no credit cards right now. I used to have a good amount, good credit, good credit limit. Now it's nothing. He said, well, he's like, well, uh, can you borrow from your from your family? I'm like, bro, I'm not borrowing nothing from them like that. We already went to eighty five thousand dollars borrowing from them. I'm not. I'm, listen, if you want to save the house and get your money, he gonna make like six thousand dollars. Yeah, he gonna make about six thousand dollars. You could easily take the money and pay for the the thing and you can honestly if i get any money back i'll reimburse you the money for the house but i'm not i do not want to do anything financially for the house the only way i would pay for the house is if chelsea goes amazing next week and it's like okay we made seven or eight thousand dollars in a week i could take 400 and put that house to get the house uh secured right that's that's the only way that i'm ever paying for that other than that is not happening um, so in more house news, y'all know the house is supposed to close honestly in a week, in seven days. The house is supposed to be closed in seven days, right? That's the 15th, which kind of, which came real fast, which is kind of crazy. They want to extend the closing. They want to extend the closing two weeks to the end of the month. And I'm like, bro. Y'all are crazy. Like you don't need that much time for this. You do not. You're if you're an investor, you do not need this much time to close on a single family house that cost a hundred, almost barely, barely two hundred thousand dollars. Okay, I have. I bought a house, right? And I also know from wholesaling that you don't need that much time as an investor to buy a house. So what they're trying to tell me is. The underwriter wants more time for the house. Now, in the wholesaling era of the Bamboo Project, okay, one of the things that I've learned is how frivolous or superfluous the name is for underwriter, okay? 
Everybody is an underwriter. If you are buying real estate, you are an underwriter. There is no real qualifications for an underwriter. Maybe you're decent at math. Maybe you might even just be related to the person buying the house or who owns the mortgage company. There's no, there is, that is one of the, whenever I hear the word underwriter, I'm like, they don't do anything. They just check the numbers of the house to see if it makes sense. That's it. That was already done from before. So if you, as a mortgage company, it don't take you that long to run the numbers for a house. Once you run the numbers, that's it. You approve the loan. You don't need days and more days and more time to figure out what's going on with the house. That's not how that works. So they even have like regular loan, like not non-house related loans. So like when we got the, it wasn't even a loan. When we got the grant for the candles last year, I think we got like 5,000. They had an underwriter who had to check over the grant money. And I'm like, what are you looking for? You're giving us the money. We're not paying it back. What What do you need an underwriter for to see whether or not we're going to get the money? Like, it's, it's a waste of time. So I told him, like, listen, there's no reason for us to have to push it back two weeks. So he went, he went back to them and said, okay, what else can we do? So somehow they settled on a week, which again, which is my whole point, is really just wasting time. And if we're being honest, I might text him right now, like, listen, bro, if they close by the 15th, the house will be fine. If y'all want to take forever to close on the house, we're going to have a problem. We're going to have a huge problem because people know there's nobody in the house. They're going to keep going in and stealing stuff. I'm not paying to put no doors on the house. What do you want to do? Because I'm not doing it. He don't want to He don't want to take the credit for it. You don't want to pay for it. I don't want to pay for it. But everybody wants to close on the house. So what are we going to do? What are we, do we all put in $100 together and pay for the house? I could probably put up 100 Maybe not today, but like sometime in the next weekend. But that's that's maybe I'll tell him that. Hey, I put up a hundred, you put up a hundred, he put up a hundred, and somebody else put up another hundred. Now we have the house is secured. So we're gonna see how that goes. But one thing I thought was interesting. My aunt pointed this out to me last week or earlier this week when i talked to her about the house i don't know if it's a sign or not and as i said in the last podcast uh they are very people who make a lot of money understand signs and a sign doesn't have to be something that's mystical a sign could just be, hey, I know that when my back hurts, I didn't eat enough today. That's a sign. Okay. A sign can be something different for everybody that experiences that sign. But the trick is to understand when you see a sign. Understand what that sign means. Understand how it relates in your particular life. Right. Now, I don't know what this sign means at all. It's just very, it's an odd coincidence. The house was supposed to close pretty much on the week that the new chapter starts, right? Now, they moved it seven days from the 15th. And my aunt pointed out to me, that's my dad's birthday. And y'all, honestly, I'm not thinking about it. A lot of y'all came way after that whole thing happened, but... uh. I like to say that my, I, I prefer to say that my dad was murdered by a lot of different people, okay, uh, in relation to COVID, all right? It was a very big thing. That's probably the first five to seven podcasts of, or seven episodes of the podcast, but I think it's strange that the house took as long as it did to close. It was not supposed to close at all in this time of the year, and they're pushing it back a week to that to his birthday. Now, again, like I said, I didn't even notice that. My whole brain was so focused on, hey, the house is supposed to close for the next chapter of the Bamboo Project, which is chapter four. It going to that day, who knows? Maybe some other miracle might come up in the house. I, I have no idea what could happen in the time being, but she pointed out and definitely made me go, hmm. I guess I'll keep my eyes out for anything that might come up on the 22nd. I always feel like 
I got uh, the most out of that relationship. And I feel as though we had all the talks that most people don't have with their parents or with their kids. And I feel like because of that, it was the him passing was easier on me than a lot of other people that experienced him because, you know, talking about his childhood growing up, talking about the traumas that he experienced, talking about the things that he either really liked or didn't like or felt like he did wrong when he raised me. We had those conversations. So we were at a place of just kind of I don't know I wouldn't call it friends but just kind of like an understanding we were kind of at that place and there was no more of that childlike resentment that children have because they don't understand why their parents do what they do it's it's a weird thing uh when it comes to my dad because I it does suck that it happened the way it did but one thing I always find that's very cool is that even though he passed, I still have dreams about him sometimes. And I enjoy the dreams very much, so much so that it, I guess, lessens the idea that he's not here. And even in some of the dreams, I feel like I can realize that he's not actually here anymore. And I make a point in the dream to kind of experience it more when I'm having the dream. So, like I said, I'm curious to see if anything happens around the next time period, the next month. Or, and Melissa just said that he actually passed a week before my birthday. So that was like April 20, between April 24th and April 29th, somewhere in that time period. Um, or between April 15th and April 24th, something like that. So, but yeah um that pretty much is it with the house next uh topic on the podcast is last week's craft fair so it is our first weekend with the new setup and my take on it so far is that it's very grand like it's, it's a it's a very grand setup so i think what that means is we have to elevate the rest of the setup to match how grand that is because y'all weren't there or are not there, I'll try to do my best to explain how it looks. I might, I'll post a video up here too. So it's paper on the wall, then LED lights on top of the paper, and then polyfill, which just looks like, you know, large cotton on top of that. So when you turn on the LED lights, it looks like there are clouds behind us. And you can change the color of the light, you can change the movement, the motion of the lights. And it looks like, a, it looks really good. One of the things I've noticed with the new setup is that I think that people don't know what it is that we sell when they see the setup. Like it's so large that you look at it and go, what is that? And they don't think about what it is that we have. So one thing we were gonna add before, which we haven't done yet, is getting a neon sign. And I think once we put that sign up, it will kind of take your eyes away from the clouds because it'll be more of a backdrop to whatever the sign, to the sign that we have, which will say Ember Candles on it, right? And I think also we are, like I said, the, the clouds are so large that I think people are kind of curious what we even sell because they're just kind of like, oh, I don't even, like I look up and see all these clouds and then I look down and go, okay, I need to find out what it is you're selling. Before, you would walk by the table and you would see the candle lit, like the candlelight, right? And now, you, it's like, hmm, I, I'm really intrigued by what you guys have, but I feel like it needs to match both. I feel like that's what they're saying. So I think the sign will help with that. Uh, the first day we had it, it was some learning curve because we have also moved to the back of, I don't know if I'll call, I'll call it the market. I'm not a fan of the spot for multiple reasons. One being we don't have as many entrance ways. Two, we have two people directly in front of us. And I'm actually glad, because Melissa had pointed this out. 
the people that were in front of us before were literally facing us like both of them they had their booth facing us and as y'all already know how that goes once we're in front of somebody they want to be in our mouth they want to see what it is that we're saying how we're saying it how can they change what they're saying and they just stare right now subconsciously i wouldn't say subconscious I've, i'm kind of aware of it i don't speak as loud when someone is staring at me like i like i'm just like okay i'm trying to i'm trying to focus on what's happening here but i can feel you drilling your laser beam eyes into my head to figure out okay how can i steal what it is that you're saying one of the people who's in front of us turned their booth to the side aisle so now they aren't facing us and the other person actually moved their booth to the front of the market so there's an empty booth there at least last week it was but i'm hoping that whoever comes next week is facing the side aisle and not facing us because it just makes it so much harder to have to sell and do things when somebody is just in your whole thing. Like, bro, as we talk about in the podcast, mind your business. Worry about how, why you're not getting sales. Don't worry about why we're getting sales. Worry about why are you not getting sales. Do people know what you're selling? Are you talking to people? Do your, does your product look good? Does your setup look good? If you, don't, if you haven't answered those questions yet, and to be completely honest... The people who are at the fair, who are customers at the fair, you should be talking to them to know what's wrong with your setup. They will indirectly tell you like, oh, I didn't even, I couldn't even see your sign or, oh, I didn't even know what you sell or what kind of material is this? All of those things should be answered by them walking by and being able to see your booth. If you can't figure that out, you're not doing it right. Like your setup is not right. So they moved, but we also had an issue because on the first day, the table was set up in a way where it's hard for us to deal with or talk to two people, two people at the same time. So that obviously cuts off sales dramatically if we can only talk to one person. Now the setup we had before, it gave us so much space to have people interacting with the booth on both sides of the table. They were able to do games. They, each side would have two or three people playing the game at the same time. We went from that to, okay, we literally only have one space for the person to even look at the candles. So the beginning of the day was mostly us trying to figure that out. It was a pretty slow day financially. I think we did $500 that day. We did $535, right? I think so. so I think we did $535 that day. It got a little bit better because we pretty much troubleshooted the whole time we were there. And shout out to Jermaine, which is Melissa's brother. He was selling while we were trying to troubleshoot and figure out what's going on how do we change the setup a little bit so that was very helpful uh and then sunday we made four hundred dollars that day but it was very slow one thing that we picked up on sunday from having a conversation with another with another vendor is that the market saturation or the traffic in the market changes depending on multiple factors the factors that we understand or have seen already are weather is one uh holidays is another one these all affect the market and usually make it worse and marathons so we're privy to those three things these three things are going to slow the market down we also learned from him that how the trains are operating that day also affect the market and we did not think about that so that day one of the most common trains in new york city which is the l train which runs through brooklyn and Arlington, manhattan was not working is l train in queens too mm -hmm. so the train wasn't running so it was also slow on sunday so it's just something now we're like okay we we have to now somehow find a way to account for the slowness or at least understand that that's why it's happening because even though it was slow even though we were getting sales to some degree it was still slow you can only get so many sales with so much traffic like you can do well but you're not gonna hit your peak numbers if your traffic is significantly lower than normal so we learned that and we made uh, like $935 over the weekend, which is $300 lower than what we try to average every weekend. 
Um, so we do think that next week will be a lot better. We have a new setup in the back of house. So underneath the table, very helpful. Like we haven't really got to utilize it. Like we really like go crazy with it, but it's for sure helpful with the process because it wasn't that busy. So we don't know how efficient it is, but it definitely makes the back look a lot cleaner and we have a lot more space, even though the space seems to be smaller. Um, so I'm happy. I'm happy about that. And I guess next topic still, still in the candle space will be, we are doing Chelsea again next week. All right. As y'all know from the monthly check-in, the goal this month is two Chelsea's. We didn't make it to two last month. I'm very confident that we can do two this month. We already booked next week. Like next week is already booked. We kind of know what to expect from the fair. Uh, Melissa was making some more garland so that we could have a different or a higher end setup. And honestly, not think about it. We didn't have garland last time we were there. So we're going to see how it affects our sales by them having it. And because now it's beefed up, you know, add a little more beef to it. It's going to be a little, it's going to look a little nice. So we're working on that and it's going to be warmer. We did it in the worst time of the year, according to every single vendor that ever goes there. They say, listen, nobody comes during this time. The only people that we saw during that time were permanents. Like there might've been two other vendors, maybe three that weren't permanent there for five years or more vendors. So we were told that March, April, May, when it starts getting busy, summertime starts getting crazy. And we right there in March. So now we're going to book this week, hopefully do the last week of the month. And I we did like 3000 that week uh, from Chelsea. So if we could do, I think we could do more than that. I feel like we should not be having $200 days at Chelsea, which we had before. Did we have that? I feel like we did. Let me check my phone because I feel like that was it was rough. Okay, so you had a three hundred and seven dollar day, two hundred thirty four dollars on the next day. On Wednesday we did three fifty nine. We did two forty four on th on Friday on Thursday. Friday we did seven ninety five. That's not bad. Okay, so we had like two days. No, we had three days. We had about two or three days where we made under $300 for from being there from 11 to 7 o'clock. That's abysmal. Like, that is so bad. So I really think that we could at least do four to 500 minimum per day. Um, and I mean, minimum from Monday through Thursday. So I think that'll give us an extra, let's see, an extra $500 per so or so. And I think the weekend will be a lot busier. But Either way, the fact of the matter is the whole point of it is to us to be able to stabilize the market. And then after we stabilize being in that market, we can go, okay, we have a solidified spot. Let's beef it up. Let's make the spot like really bring in customers like we did in Williamsburg. And the same way that we're making money over there, we're going to learn the tricks to do it over here. And then we'll start hiring employees because right now that's the goal. The goal is to solidify this place, then get employees and we didn't book it yet, but we finally got the quote because they've been playing. Grand Bazaar, which is every single Sunday, it's another market here in New York. They, you have to like, we tried to book 12 dates. They only gave us eight. So we have to pay for that. It's going to be like $700. So we're going to pay for that this week. But again, I want to have my goal from the beginning of the year is to have these three markets solidify for the rest of the year. We pretty much have one down and now we just have two more to get. We're probably on phase we're, we're on phase two of solidifying the market. Phase three, we'll be solidifying it. And then four, I will be on three. I think phase one was doing the market. Phase two was doing it multiple times. Phase three is booking enough of it in a month. And then phase four is hiring people to do the fair. Like that is like stabilization. So just a little, uh, little foreshadowing of what we're going to be doing over the next couple of months or weeks, excuse me. And for Grand Bazaar, they, they're like weird. They're like giving us, they don't let us choose our dates. 
Um, like I said, I want to, I want every single date for the entire year. That's what I want. So I don't know why they plan. So on to the next topic. This is more of a uh, personal topic than it is a. We know what happened in our week. I mean, maybe it is. It could be a little bit of both. So. Melissa and I are getting stronger as a relationship, I, f- I feel, right? And I think that we are both doing things that strengthen our relationship with each other. For me, one of those things is allowing myself to be upset for as long as I want to be, right? And I... I have a people pleaser mentality. Like that's my foundation. I've done a lot of work so it doesn't come out as much, but I know it's there. Like I know my natural instinct is to people please. Um, And I think that if I'm upset with somebody, my my go-to is to try and make them feel better if something bothers them or to try and... Hide, not hide, like cloud my anger or my upsetness or my resentment by just going, okay, I'm going to stay to myself, whatever, whatever I might do. But I try to make sure that the other person still feels good. They get whatever they, 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 get whatever they need done. And that's kind of how I approach those things, right? So one thing I've been doing now is if we get into an argument, and not really an argument, just something like a disagreement um, that can lead to an argument or something she does that might annoy me, like a question that I don't like similar to his example of one of those questions why are we going this way right all it immediately set me off it, my head immediately goes to why does it matter right immediately i'm just like what's the problem like, that's immediate response so one thing i used to do also is try to have that conversation why is this bothering you what is why don't you want to go this way right now i don't care like, i don't care i'm just like listen i don't care and i'm mad and I'm gonna be mad until I'm no longer mad. And not and that here's here's the part or the trick about that. I used to be mad to a point that I felt the other person could understand how how or why I was still mad for that long. So if it was let's just use some arbitrary numbers, right? Let's say I got mad on a Monday at 12 o'clock PM about a small thing. My brain would say, okay, Donna, it's two o'clock. The person asked you a question. That thing happened two hours ago. Just answer the question because it's long enough for you to get over whatever you're mad about. Even though I'm still mad. I go, you know what, Donovan? It's been it's been a while. Let's like get over it. Now, what I do is I get over it when I'm actually emotionally over it. Like, until I have the uh uh the emotions have subsided or subsided. I'm going to be mad. And I'm going to do what mad people do. I'm going to be angry. Don't talk to me. I'm not helping you with nothing. I don't care what you want. I don't care what you need. I don't care. I'm mad. I'm going to be mad until I'm no longer mad. Right? You ask me a question, you're going to snap your response. I might even cut your ass a little bit because I am I am upset. I'm going to insult you. I'm going to say things because I'm mad. And then once I'm done being mad... I'm done. I'm actually done being mad. As opposed to before, where it's like, okay, yes, I feel like I should no longer be mad. If you ask me, my mad, I'm gonna say no. I'm I'm over it. Okay, I'm I'm done. Even though I'm still mad, but not not no more. So what that has done for me is it justifies to myself being upset because now I don't care about what anybody else thinks about me being upset. It's like whenever you feel like not being upset, Donovan, that's when you start being upset. It don't. It could be 20 minutes. It could be an hour. It could be three days. Whenever you feel like not being upset, whenever. And when I, what, I, what I mean by that is like when I start feeling like jokey, jovial, that's when I'm no longer upset. I want to like, you know, be playful. Now I'm no longer upset. And by doing that, I've noticed that I actually get my my anger doesn't last as long and it doesn't go as deep so it's my anger now stays very surface level anger like just like kind of somewhat petty like oh i'm mad don can you pass me the remote no get it yourself i don't want to get it i'm mad at you don't talk to me 
right? That's where my anger stays at. It doesn't go to, I want to leave you. And honestly, to be honest with you, if I want to think that, I think that to myself too. I'd be like, nah, forget Melissa. Fuck Melissa. I don't care. I'm going to do whatever I want to do. And I'm going to, you know what? I'm going, I don't care. I don't care. Right? And then I'm like, oh, okay, I'm done. And I'm, and I'm, and I'm fine. But I, but before I would put so much stock in how I felt, like if I'm really thinking about leaving Melissa, that means I should leave. Cause I'm thinking about, I'm upset. I, like how off, if I'm going to get upset every time, right? Like, let me explain a little bit better. <clears throat> if Melissa's gonna get me upset and when I get upset I wanna break up or I think about breaking up that is a part of my anger cycle that's just a part of how I think when I get angry it's not necessarily a definitive but before my brain went to if you're so mad you want to break up, you should break up. Now, I even I feel like I allow myself to be even more angry at Melissa in my head and say all the bad things I want to say in my head because I know it's just me being upset. So now, once I understand that me breaking up with her, me saying whatever mean things I might want to say in my head, it's just me being mad. And then I'm like, okay. I'm like, yep. Yeah. Hey, babe, how you doing? How's your day going? I'm good. Kiss her on the cheek. Have fun. And I forget about whatever I was mad about. So I think that's something for me that's helped a lot is just like being upset and not acting like I'm not upset. Being upset and being petty when I'm upset. Then my next topic is it's in relation to someone named Coffeezilla. And... He was on Joe Rogan recently. If you don't know him, he's on YouTube. Popular channel now. Wasn't as big before, which I always think is cool. So shout out to him. Um, and I actually hate the other one that tries to be like him. I'm not going to say his name because I think he's just a cornball. If you know him, you do. Uh, he's just very, I just I just think he's a cornball. He try, he's, he wants to be Coffeezilla, but it comes from the wrong place. And it shows very strongly. But listening to Coffeezilla on Joe Rogan, I was thinking about... This idea that I've talked about before, maybe on the podcast, or definitely in a vlog, that people haggle over giving out small amounts of money. But when it's large amounts of money, they just give it to you. They don't ask no questions. They just say, here's my money, take it. And I've always wondered why that was. And obviously, it's relational to that person in terms of how much money that person has to give. And I didn't understand why that was a, a, a human nature thing. So as I listened to the podcast, I'm thinking, I'm like, why? Because he was talking about uh, FTX, which is like a crypto thing. And pretty much this guy scammed all of the major banks, the major hedge funds, venture capitalists, whatever. He, he scammed them. And these are the, he these are the top people. And they gave him money. Hundreds of millions of dollars. Hundreds of millions, even probably billions of dollars to give to this person, right? But I know there's probably a small business who's probably making a hundred grand a year, who's in there trying to get a loan for five thousand dollars or ten thousand dollars, and they're like, mm, our underwriter says that we don't you didn't get approved because we think you live in the wrong neighborhood. Right? Something ridiculous. They might drag it off for eight, nine months to get you five or ten thousand dollars. But this guy who needed $200 million, y'all didn't even sign the paper. Y'all just sent the money first. So that's when it dawned on me, right? It's an emotional thing. The emotion is that people think they're going to make life-changing money. So it's no longer about the money. It's about what the money is going to bring to the person lending the money or giving the money away. So when I use that framework and I apply it, to the loan that we got for $1,500 from one of these small development people. How much money can they really make on that, right? On that $1,500, they could probably only make like $100, maybe $200, something small. That does not change anything for them. But if I said to them, hey, you could make $35 million, but you have to give me 500000 
they would give me the money instantaneously because they have such a huge upside that they want to make money. And that's when I realized that a lot of that lending without thinking comes from the human nature of greed. Because once you once you start thinking about it from a how much money can I make from this perspective as opposed to what this deal actually says, that's when you start getting into situations like FTX where you own a trillion dollars in assets, but you're no longer checking the person that's going to make you an extra couple hundred million, honestly, several billion dollars. But you have a long three, six month diligence period for someone that's already proven that they've made money. They've already proven it. But you want to string them out and string them along on giving them money. And like I said, that's what I realized. And I think it applies to all categories of people. I think if someone came to me right now and said, Donovan, uh, I need to borrow $400. I'll be like, yeah, bro, I don't have it. Or even for the house, I don't have it. I don't have it. If someone said to me, Donovan, I can get you your wax for 10 cents or 3 cents, but you got to pay $2,000 up front. I would probably play that. I'd be like, listen, I'm going to pay it because I know I'm going to get a huge return on this. But if it comes down to the $100, I'm like, what do you need $400 for? You need it for what? You need it to put up a door? You can't do it yourself? You don't have a friend that could do it? You don't have like a contractor friend? Nothing you could do? Nothing like that. I'm like, all right. I, even perfect, even, even more spot on example. If the house was getting us $80,000 back or $100,000 back, I would have... I would find $400 to give for the house easily. So I think that that's something that I learned now. And it really, really stood out to me when Melissa and I were talking about how much money that the money small development people will give us. I think they're matched like 250K, right? That they give to one person. And I think 8% on that is, let's say 10, 25. It's $20,000 that they're making on that money. And... All that shows me is that $20,000 to them is probably a decent amount of money. It's not a lot because I think that for them, a lot would be, hey, we're getting a 15% or 20% return on our money. So yeah, just take just take the money. Just take it from us. I mean, give it back whenever you need it. So I guess I think that's very, that is something I'm learning. So I'm going to now apply that going forward to any situation I feel as though a lender wants to loan us money. Um, and I think it's, it's kind of similar to a convo I had with Bill where it's like, I'm a customer at the bank, so I should be the one doing my homework on them rather than the other way around because they need me to make money. Like not, you know, well us to make money. So we should be treating them like an, a product. Like, mm, what are you giving me? No, I don't like that. I need better than that. But I feel like a lot of times, myself included, people go into banks thinking about, oh, okay, uh, I'm taking whatever you have to give. Like, I, if I can get it, I'll take it. We're not going in there like, hmm, you work for me. What are you going to give me? So, and now we are at the League of Villains segment of the podcast. So, I'm going to let my beautiful, phenomenal, amazing girlfriend uh, pull up to the podcast and speak her piece on whatever her heart desires. All right. <clears throat> Hello, everyone. Welcome to the League of Villains segment. So Donovan, let me know how much money we owe. <laughs> everyone, everyone today, like, I'd be for, hi, how would I say it? Because the money has been coming in, I've been very hopeful. I've been like, okay, we're going to pay everybody back. We got this. We just need to keep going. We just need to keep going. We owe $100,000. So, it's just, um, it's just one of those things where it's like, okay, even though the money is coming in, we're doing 10K months and so on and so forth, we, we got to bump it up. Got to bump it up. 
gotta get to the next level like the thing that we really want to focus on is online sales um if we could get some grants and some more funding in we can hire people to work the different fairs once we get to that y'all once we get to hiring people's having the fair the fairs on lockdown the money will just be flowing in we could pay everybody back and then some and it's just gonna be amazing so i'm very excited to see how this year progresses because right now this is the end of q1 we're in this month is the end of q1 we're going to be doing the chelsea two times this month right next month i don't really know i don't really know there's a few criterias that we have to hit. I like to call them kind of like side quests and stuff or like just major things that we have to hit in order for us to get to that new level and breakthrough. And I think those things are doing the photo shoots for the candles. We like, we in the third month of the year. So it was like, we, we have to do that. And the reason why that's so important is that that helps us send out the email campaigns for the business. And it also helps us to have more content to post on Instagram, on Pinterest, to really get ads out and stuff and really take the business to the next level. And the website. Hmm? And the website. And the website too. So it's just, and getting on different e-commerce platforms, not getting on them because we're on them already, but really sprucing up our Etsy, our, our Amazon that has their own, um, that has their own, people on the platform that will spend money and to just beef beef up the online that's really really what we're trying to do beef up the instagram the online because right now i feel like if you go on our instagram right now the candle instagram is just giveaways and the stories of when we do the fairs we need more we need more content that's more engaging that really speaks to what it what it is to be you know, affiliate with the Ember Candle um, Ember Candle Co. Company. So I'm just really excited. I really, really like, I'm just tired. I'm tired, but I really want this to progress and to keep moving forward even faster than the rate that it's going at. I'm just tired thinking about it. Um, that's rage you're making. What? You're being tired. Why you say that? I feel like that's a thing to say as a Jamaican. Or as a, I would say as a black person, but definitely as a Jamaican. Bro, because it's like. You're not even tired. Why you say that? Why are you tired? Why am I tired? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. You get eight, ten hours of sleep. Like, it's a lot easier making candles. You're not really tired. It's something to say. To is it? It is. You literally. Work. Maybe. Because it's like, I'm not doing everything that, like, I want to do, right? Mm -hmm. So the thought of doing the other things that I need to do makes me tired like there's grants that need to be applied for i have been applying to them but <laughs> but i have i feel like i haven't done a deep dive like sit down for an hour and really i try to do it while i'm um, doing the podcast but i feel like i haven't really delved deep into it and the other the other thing too i'm so conflicted about is the credit is business credit because but then again it's just it's just it's just a lot to figure out. It's trying to figure out what what will make us the most money, how to leverage the the our, our time, the smartest. It's just a lot of different things. Um, I'm really excited about the YouTube growing at the rate that it's growing at because I think y'all do not understand how slow the Bamboo Project was growing when we first started. It was so fucking slow. So for us to be have the amount of watch hours and the amount of um, we're like a fourth of the way there, and it's 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 March, so we're like very much on track to um, monetizing the YouTube channel, and that's money. That's money. And I'm very curious to see how much money that'll make. We were looking at it today with one of our videos that has, let's say, 20,000 views. Let's say that it made, what, $5,000, right? Just making up numbers. And that video would be about Turo. Another video that also has 20,000 um, 20, views, let's say if it's about doing hair, that same video, like that same, the, 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 let's say it's about doing hair. 
that would only make us maybe a hundred dollars versus the video that's about Turo that'll make us 5,000 for the same amount of views. So I'm just very excited to see, I'm curious to see how much YouTube will pay for small business slash candle content. Yeah, if you've been watching the the the, the Ember Candle Co, like the weekly vlogs, it's, it's funny, I was on FaceTime with Sarah once and she had asked me like, why y'all be taking like different buses or taking different routes? And it's like, we really just allow each other kind of the space to be just away from each other or like to kind of do the things that we want to do because I'm gonna be frustrated. I'm gonna be frustrated if I, if we just worked all day and now Donovan loves to explore. He loves to try new things because there's an upside and there might be a downside. But he's he wants to fit. He wants to know what it is. And it's like, sure, that's fucking cool and all, but I want to go home. I want to go home on the on the on the on the route that I normally go home with that I know is gonna get me home in 30 minutes or whatever. So. He should have the freedom to take whatever route he wants to take, and I should have the freedom to take whatever route that I want to make, take. And then we get home, and it's like, oh, so how was your trip? It's like, oh, you know, it was cool. How was yours? And then he'd be like, oh, you know, it was faster, or it was slower, or we should try to take this route more often. And it just kind of, yeah, it just kind of allows each other the space to breathe and stuff like that, and really, like, still, I don't know, have that independence while still being a couple so that's the end of my segment all right so last topic of the day i was watching some youtube video and it was talking about cheating right i'm pretty sure out of everybody watches this channel somebody's getting cheated on right now all right just a uh, law of numbers right and that's a fact. One of y'all's getting cheated on. I don't know which one it is. Either either you know you get cheated on, you don't know. But one of y'all's getting cheated on. It could be you. It could be you. Or you. But one of y'all's getting cheated on. Um, but I was watching this YouTube video, and this girl got cheated on by her boyfriend or her husband actually, and he did the whole you know. Oh my God! Please take me back. I'm gonna do anything. I promise. Anything you know when you do, I'll do right. If somebody's saying that, you should probably not take them back. That's rule number one that I've learned. Uh, just, just leave them. Um, but one of the things that he said that he will do, which he actually ended up doing, was getting her whole face tatted on his back. Right now, y'all probably know that that's stupid. That that's probably not going to make nobody not cheat on you. Right. So what does that mean? He cheated again and again. And again, with this woman's face, his husband, his wife's face tatted on his back. And funny enough, if we're talking about sex, right? How many times does a woman even see her man's back during sex? Probably never. So who cares about that? So I bring this up because of all the people out there who are getting cheated on. Or who will be cheated on in the future. If, if you want to stay with someone that cheats on you, right? Which I always say don't do anyways. Just never do it. Just don't even do not do it. Just leave. Just don't even try to figure out how to make it work. I know people say, well, what about them? They made it work. You don't know that. From my experience being cheated on, you it does not go away. I don't know a situation where that goes. I don't know anybody that has been cheated on and it goes away. They go, oh yeah, I forgot you cheated on me. That never, I've never heard that in my life. Not once. So why would you want to have that burden on your brain? For what reason? There's no reason to have that. But if you still, after all of the red flags and all of the stop signs, want to stay with the person that cheated on you, right? For whatever reason that you want to do that for. I implore any one of y'all. When that person tries to apologize, I'm so sorry. I'll do anything for you. I'll make it right. Let me make it right. Do not take what they want to give you as, uh, what's that word? As a consolation, right? Don't take it or your concessions, right? Don't take the concessions. You come up with a concession that is so bad that they would feel embarrassed having to do that thing. Right? So, here's some examples. If your man cheats on you, 
what you should do if he wants to get back with you. You got to sodomize him on Pornhub for 25 minutes. Tell him that. Be like, listen, okay, you want, me, you want to get back with me? Here's what I'm going to do. We're going to make a video of me strapped on. Right? You're going to be in this video too. You're getting it for 30 minutes. And it's going on Pornhub. And then you will see if this person really wants to get back with you. Because they're gonna if they start going, but why you want to do that? Why? But it's like, I thought you told me you wanted to get my trust back. Right? You have to do something so heinous that they have to really consider doing it. And it has to be so heinous that if they cheat on you again, you could tell somebody, listen, he let me sodomize him on porn for 30 minutes. If he wants you to get after that, I'm fine. I don't even care. But it can't be nothing small like, oh, he got a tattoo. Oh, he bought me roses. Oh, he gave me his password to my Instagram. Oh, he said he was sorry. Oh, he bought me some jewelry. That Anybody could do that. Do you have? It has to be something that they lose a lot from, right? Nobody wants to do that. And say, every time I find you cheating, we're going to come here and we're going to act an extra 10 minutes. People go, ah, yeah. Yeah, bro, I ain't want to be with her. She's crazy. She's crazy. I don't know why she tried to have me jump into a pit full of gorillas and fight them one-on-one. -on -one. I I can't be with her. So, to all y'all out there getting cheated on, been cheated on, or going to get cheated on in the future, remember what I just said, okay? So, we'll be back here next week. You can find all the behind-the-scenes content on our social medias. Mine is Donovan Gray, D-O-N-I-V-A-N-G-R-A-Y, and my phenomenal, beautiful, amazing girlfriend anita burn a-n-e-t-a-b-u-r-n you know what it is hashtag bamboo project 2023 the road to 500k we almost at the end of q1 it's been a pretty good strong q1 q2 should be blowing us out the water i'm hoping that's what i'm looking forward to all right ending up on a good note and with that being said bamboo project out